Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast series called Making Sense Of. We are Foundation for Change and today we'll be taking a little look at critical thinking. My name's Heather and I will let the rest of the lovely Foundation for Change crew introduce themselves. Hiya, um, it's Bex here. I work with Foundation for Change as well. Hi, it's Tonya here, Foundation for Change team member. Hi, my name's Liz. I'm a member of the crew, which makes me feel about 40 years younger than I am. But there we are. <laughs> yeah, I read that back again. Mm, crew, okay. Um, I'm Bob. Hi, everyone. We'll say part of the team. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi, I'm Katie. Heather nearly forgot me. I won't be offended. <laughs> also one of the team. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. According, according to the World Health Organization, critical thinking is disciplined thinking that is clear and rational, unbiased and informed by available evidence. Um, they see it as a life skill. And if you're in addiction, they were saying that um, if you're controlled by a substance, you cannot think rationally. Um, at Foundation for Change, we work with people who have experienced um, addiction issues and all the way through, through our 10-week course, um, critical thinking is a massive part of pretty much every part, every day, every day that we, we um, teach. There's uh, things that, that come into it when we look at um, trauma responses, when we look at attachment theory, um, it's all to do with critical thinking about ourselves and our, our lives. Um, so as well as using critical thinking in daily life, um, when we're told what to buy, or why to buy it, we're told um, what certain politicians think, we're told what's going on with newspapers, all that kind of outside stuff that um, critical thinking is really, really useful for. It's also looking, looking at ourselves. And I think that's what kind of struck me when I went to Foundation for Change, because I thought I was kind of like, I thought I could, I thought I knew critical thinking, I thought I was quite open to, to it, I was quite open-minded um, from a very young age, I guess I felt kind of other, um, various reasons, you know, being bullied, being bullied, um, and not having, just thinking, feeling different, I guess, from the other people in my village finding a um, kind of music that, that got me interested in politics and realizing there was something else outside my village sort of finding my community and and also that in the politics of the songs seeing that you know there were things that were spoken about that weren't necessarily spoke about it in in the news or in school um making me kind of realize that there are it's not just what you're told, there's a lot more, more behind that. I guess it was kind of like using that, using the critical skills, critical thinking, um, 
in the actual foundation of change when I started like looking at myself having come having come through um, uh, addiction issues um, and finding a way of managing in life without the crutches that I'd used so it was just everything was critical thinking I had to I had to critically think about my decisions that I'd made, the choices that I'd made in the past, um, pretty much change how I thought about everything and how I thought about life. I had to change if I wanted to um, carry on living, I guess. Um, and not going, going, back, going back to those really damaging um, issues that were killing me. So I was going to just ask, when when do you think you first discovered critical thinking? Like, not as if like you knew it as as a word, critical thinking, but can you kind of like, is there any time when you will remember first kind of like realizing that that there were other ways of thinking about things? Um. I'll go and have I think for me, I mean, when you was talking, I was thinking about it. I, when I done Foundation for Change, the next, which is PFC now, um, they never done critical thinking. So I didn't know what it was until I come into work for the last two years. And I remember looking at it and obviously I must have been doing it at some points, but I didn't know, you don't know what it is. But I think for me, when I learned about it was when um, I come back to work um, in Foundation for Change in the last two years, and it was part of the um, the course. And yeah, it was, it was amazing to think that, because I think, as you said, I've not really just been zoned and like just sort of, I, only recently have I discovered the power of critical thinking and unpicking things for myself and making things to make sense for me. Thanks. Sonia, did you, when you were learning the kind of theory, I guess, the critical thinking side, um, the theory of critical thinking when you, when you did it on the course, um, and you were working with Foundation Change, did you start thinking like, oh yeah, I was doing some of this before? Did it feel kind of familiar? Yeah, but that's what I meant. Like, I, I must have been doing it, but I didn't know what, I, what, what it was. It was, I never really, heard the word critical thinking you know it'd be like critical mm -hmm. is a bad word so it's like but yeah so I suppose I didn't really put it together critique you know um, so yeah for me yeah I learned it then and it was just about um I wish I'd learned it been you didn't do it back then it's a new one that you put in I think after um I think I discovered critical thinking when I became a goth um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I must have been around 14. I was pretty young. But um, I think before then, I was kind of quite straight edge, actually. I was quite quiet, kind of like, you know, do I want to be a lawyer? Apparently, if you become a lawyer, you can like have a nice money in a nice house. That's security, isn't it? Um, so I think I always just had this idea that security was what you wanted without really understanding what security was. And then I found music, and I think you mentioned that as well, Heather, um, in your intro. And it just completely blew my brain apart because I was like, there is such a different world out there. And it kind of challenged authority and it challenged how I saw the world. Like, um, you know, from then on, 
especially because I was so young, I never understood why people had suits and briefcases. Like, why the fuck are you going to work nine to five? Like, what the hell is going on there? Um, you know, obviously I've grown up a little bit since then. I realised jobs, <laughs> people have them. But um, yeah, I think that was the first time that I thought, ah, yeah, there's something else out there. And it felt good. We need to see some of those goth pics. Yeah, I've yet to kind of, yeah, I've yet to I've yet to divulge. <laughs> that made me laugh, Bex, because I was such a geeky kid, and I remember I voluntarily had a, a briefcase. It was a tapestry briefcase because I really wanted yeah. this like grown-up thing. I got my mum to get it from Argos. It was so nerdy everyone teased me um and i came to like critical thinking a lot later like kind of in my late late teens i'd never been into cool music or like anything trendy basically at school but i think it was through um getting a a bit older and more interested in what was going on in the world and i noticed that um like different things got talked about in the news from what I was interested in and I think like it was relatively early dates of the internet and I started to come across this idea that like on the internet you could access news which wasn't like in the newspapers or on the tv and that there was like all this stuff happening and people talking about it which wasn't like yeah in in the mainstream and that was incredible to me and like the revelation that you know maybe like there's a reason why newspapers aren't reporting these things was like that was like the beginning of my journey like why not like what you know like what who, who's covering this up and I don't know I think I think that like alternative independent media I guess was how I came across critical thinking. I think um, me. Oh, sorry. There we go. Well, I was just going to say, Heather, you said something um, earlier at the start of this, which was it kind of really resonating. So I remember um, feeling very young and feeling very different, and was questioning. You know, I see critical thinking as kind of not accepting what you're being told and starting to question the world. And I started to do it from quite a young age. And I remember, you know, I was brought up as a kind of Hindu and going to the temple because apparently this is kind of what you did. And at some point, I think when I was about seven, I was a bit like hang on a minute like what was the point I started to question it because I just felt different I didn't feel like what everyone else seemed to be experiencing and and kind of doing when they went to the temple so I remember then starting to think like what is going on and what are they saying and what's this religion about and asking my mum and um so I remember kind of like that questioning process that's probably the first time I remember critical thinking kicking in without even knowing that that's what I was doing with more of a feeling yeah, um, I'll kind of just add to that as well. Um, I think I knew I, w I was doing it for a very long time because I felt so other. I felt so, um, I felt other in my family. I felt other in the world. I knew I was kind of a lesbian at quite an early age. So it just made me feel like I wasn't part of um, society or wasn't really part of my family. So of course, you know, you have that I had that, and I had that 
kind of sense of being an outsider and it's not always great you know it, it, it's not a position to um, applaud too much but I think it does teach you how to kind of look at the world slightly differently and then I kind of encountered music quite early on when I was 10 11 um, I also had a sister who was into David Bowie and things like that so you know it's just kind of the usual usual stuff but I, it gave it gave a bit of a voice for kind of these feelings of alienness I think a lot of music probably does that to people lots of different music helps them connect with their voice of kind of alienness but and I, then I kind of for a long time I kind of took that position of an outsider and it's like that famous Groucho Marx quote like I refuse to you know I refuse to join any club that would have me as a member and um, I kind of didn't really know how to connect to other people or kind of to take this way of seeing the world um, differently and I think in my late 30s, or very late 30s, I went to university and that was the first time I encountered the, 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 you know, the name critical thinking. And I loved the way like, that knowledge and learning helped me to sort of connect rather than disconnect from seeing the world. You know, I think prior to that, I'd just been on my own one woman club and then somehow encountering knowledge and theory and understanding sort of helped me click into the world in a different way i think it's just amazing stuff yeah i mean talking about education it's like you'd think you know most of your stories are coming from like when you're a lot older there's nothing really taught like in school we don't really get taught critical thinking in school in, in schools i guess you know you've got like 30 very young children and it's more you know how to control these unruly children um, rather than to actually give them critical thinking because they've already got you know a voice and it's kind of trying to kind of like maybe quieten that voice uh, and also you're, you're taught very much not to question what you're told you know you you're being bad if you do that you know you take what adults tell you uh, as, as, as is you know, we don't get taught as, and it's coming up now with this situation with, you know, Black Lives Matter. It's like what we're taught very much depends on who's in power, you know, uh, how great Britain is, how great the empire was, you know, when in reality it's very, very different to that you know there's a cross-party group demanding a review of the national curriculum at the moment they want it to better reflect black history um and, and talk about the british empire and slavery it's not compulsory in schools which i'm absolutely staggered that that it's not compulsory because that's a massive part of our british history i mean any pretty much big city in britain um has come and been built from from the back of of the slave industry you know the triangle of industry that, that um the money that's come in has, has been astronomical um and, and we're not talk talk about that what's happened with the windrush people that that came in to kind of help britain you know that should be taught in schools the amazing we're taught about like how great britain is as a civilization um and that that you know, white men went over to Africa, and and they were all these fighting tribes, fighting amongst themselves. And the white men came and, and brought peace, 
and you know brought civilization when you know there is no talk of of the the amazing civilizations that that were around in other parts of the world if, while we were still living in you know mud huts twigs and shit that's what we're living in you know so we don't really get taught that um i guess with with uh getting taught critical thinking i came from you know quite late in the educational sense that i didn't get i went to kind of tried to tried one of my various attempts to uh, stop being an addict was to go and do a degree uh didn't really work um but it was to do with history and and a part of that was learning about where your sources come from you know questioning questioning those sources questioning the validity of them um looking at them from all different angles and where they're from to kind of like get your own understanding of them and i guess when we're looking at critical thinking from ourselves we're kind of doing the same thing but on ourselves we're kind of like questioning questioning where we've got our ideas from like so we talk about um why we believe what we believe um and there's certain aspects of our lives that we're we're born into you know like our race and our sex our class and our culture we're born into those um and we can't we can't change we we can't change that we we are living our lives and our experiences through through how we were brought up um so it depends on you know how how you were taught by your parents the the roles that they kind of like gave gave you um children aren't necessarily children aren't racist when they're when they're children but if you're at home and you're constantly being told something is this then you believe that and you'll grow up thinking that and maybe you know a lot of people will take that as is as opposed to looking and challenging that they're thinking um, hold on, so I was just going to come in, Heather, and say um, what you were just saying about, you know, the way your parents are. I think I mentioned it in the last podcast. My mum was very much so you need a man to look after you. You cannot be on your own. And so, you know, I always thought that that's, that was what you had. You, you, you wasn't completely a family if you wasn't on your own. So I've had to really really pull myself away from that and critically think actually no I've, but I've been a mother on my own for 25 years now and I've done a pretty good job they're all good kids so no man was involved in that apart from planting the seed of course yeah I mean one of the questions I was going to ask you was like uh the blocks you know we, we'll ha we have blocks in critical thinking um and and I mean is there like specific things that you can think of in your life that have made you or kind of given you made it harder for you to have critical thinking or question beliefs that you were brought up with yeah definitely and i think i've tried to be totally different with how like i mean it's took me many many years to uh to think that actually my way is 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 the okay way because it's me and it's like i didn't have to follow my culture, the way that my mum was brought up and stuff like that, you know, it didn't, um, 
Like, but it's been been difficult, and I think for me, one of the bigger things was the difference between boys and girls in our life, in our in our family and stuff. And girls just clean, have babies, and stuff like that. That was, and boys that you know have big dinners and go out and work and. So for me, I, I wanted to really make that different in my life for my children. I didn't want my daughter to think you need a man. And now she definitely doesn't think that. <laughs> it's like she's totally a really, really strong woman. And the boys are really strong and I'd say liberal, if that's the right word. I'm just not sure if it is, though. But yeah, pretty hard because my, yeah, it, I'm, I'm totally different to who I was. When I was, but if I had stayed in that way and not learned how to critically think and just, then yeah, I think I would have been living in a very small world. Yeah, I think, um, and Heather started sort of saying that being able to think critically took her outside of her village, which gives you this sense of this really sort of, you know, quite tiny sort of world, this little world, but going beyond that. So actually, you know, some of the blocks are that kind of voice in your head often and when, when you know one's head going oh you can't do that or you're no good and 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 when heather was talking i think there's a real um crossover with um a, a sort of psychological ideas around say uh, cognitive behavioral therapy which asks people to sort of challenge lots of beliefs they hold about themselves that they've held since childhood and on the whole they're usually fairly negative ones like you know i'm, I'm unlovable or i'm useless or you know I'm, I'm not good enough um so that this is where critical kind of thinking comes into individual psychology and like people looking at themselves but yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, so kind of, I think quite a lot of the blocks to critical thinking are, are kind of internal ones, like in your, in your own head about, oh, you know, yeah, how do I get over this? And even that, you know, trying to understand how to overcome something is a bit of critical thinking in itself, isn't it? Because if you have that thought, because a lot of people just don't think at all about anything. I don't think that's too much of a shitty thing to say. It's like, they don't, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's never occurs to them. What? I said people are sheep. Yeah, I mean, you see it through sort of stuff like really extreme stuff in America and Facebook and that, you know, it's like, God's sake. Um, but yeah, there is something about one that I think some of the blocks are like often negative stuff we've, we, we, we've kind of taken on board from our parents or carers or however that's been you know um that's a block and it's very hard to get over that block it's not just a matter of going oh i'm going to think critically that's a really really strong thing to try to get over i was going to say something really similar i think like a really massive block which is kind of what you're saying is like the courage to follow through with what you've what conclusions you're coming to or you know it's courage it's self-esteem it's trusting your own instincts, you know, trusting those voices. And I think it's something Liz said earlier about critical thinking not always being an easy place to be because I think that, you know, when you start questioning things, you can suddenly come up with this insight of like life not being how you always thought it was or how you were told it was. And I think it's really tough because I think then it puts you in a certain position and it's really tough to kind of fight the tide because there will be lots of people around you who, like in Tonya's example, like probably lots of women who are like, no, you do need a man. So lots of people around you kind of like bashing down these new insights that you've had. And I remember when, you know, even as a kid, when I was questioning religion, like I was telling you about earlier, like 
that's a really taboo thing to do anyway as a Hindu. You know, you don't question the word of God. So you've got this like little seven-year-old doing that. And then loads of people around you just kind of making you feel like you're mad or you're, I don't know what the Hindu equivalent is of like sin, but like it's a really like sinful thing to be doing. So it's just like, you know, you're going to come up with these ideas and then there's going to be probably a ton of people around you like bashing those ideas down and it's going to take a lot of courage to really follow through with your convictions. And I think for me kind of, um, it's one of the loveliest things I've experienced with getting older is just like being confident in trusting those voices and being comfortable in my own skin. But it's, and it's it, we, you know, it kind of intersects with um, one of the other podcasts we've done about uh, cognitive dissonance, because it's like you feel something, but the world's telling you something else. And mm-hmm. it's it really, that's a really, really uncomfortable thing to place to be. And I know, you know, just from, from working with people and training and that, um, very, you know, you, you say to a room full of people who've had problems with addictions, oh, did you ever feel like really uncomfortable in your own skin or like there was a big a hole in your, you know, stomach or there was something different about you? And everybody goes, yes, me, I felt that. So, you know, that relationship with like feeling not right and taking drugs or alcohol is actually a really, really strong one because, you know, people can use substances just to get rid of that feeling of not feeling mm connected with yourself or not feeling right and i feel like we've wandered off a bit but it's this idea of like seeing stuff and then the world just going oh you're mad you know get over yourself what are you doing and then like if that carries on for long enough you just think fuck this you know i can't can't just hold this position i want to get away from it a bit simplistic but i think it's a very common experience yeah. of using drugs and alcohol yeah i mean very much so it's it's that thing of um yeah kind of like filling up a hole that you feel like that there's not your you don't fit in there's something wrong with you the 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 ways of thinking unhelpful thinking styles isn't it we we call it what do we call it cognitive distortions um are massive you know and they will still they will still pay out you know these core beliefs that you have like these mental filters or all or nothing thinking overgeneralization you know um labeling yourself i do it all the time i constantly do it and i still have to kind of check myself that that i'm doing it and you know critically analyze where they come from so that i can take them apart and take the power out of them i mean it doesn't necessarily mean i'm not going to think that you know my mental filter will always tell me that i'm absolutely shit at doing something even if anyone tells me that that's not the case you know but I have to remember that my thinking is shit and I don't necessarily have to believe it, you know. So kind of critically thinking about my thinking myself because of of the way that I thought in the past really didn't serve me very well and I made some terrible decisions, you know. Um, So I guess that's another kind of important thing is to kind of like, you know, look at not critically look at yourself but critically look at what you believe and and question those beliefs question question them yourself coming into addiction um so people with depression and anxiety are characteristically biased and and think in characteristically biased and unhelpful ways so that's automatically your your unhelpful thinking styles um and using using drugs can get you over that 
you know, get you over those insecurities, get you over those um, those hurdles in life, and, and and basically block out your emotions. You know, critically critical thinking encourages to avoid being led by emotions. And most of my life, I think, personally, that's what I was doing. I was being led by emotions and my feelings, which were based on you know fear and and childhood trauma stuff and and realizing and unpacking that and taking the power out of it so quickly thinking about it means you're kind of like can cannot be ruled by those feelings and emotions you know by like kind of just making sense of it all and going okay yeah that's why i think like that because that happens and it just makes it a lot clearer and, and you know have a base basic based good basic kind of work on like changing changing the way you think helping yourself live in a better way i guess you know i think it's really interesting because i think like this shows how interconnected critical thinking is with like bloody everything because i think there's such a strong link with self-awareness and kind of building awareness and kind of like understanding why you do the things you do but again you know we would say and a fan of change like it's a bit of a kind of blessing but it can be a curse sometimes you know like i sometimes think like is it great to be aware of just how much craziness there is in the world or how much you know how much um how aware i am a product of my own experiences and i look around at the, you know people who i generally consider to be sheep who quite often do actually seem quite happy and i just have that whole thing of like is ignorance bliss like is it you know is it kind of worse like having this sense of self-awareness but um yeah i mean i guess i think it's really important to have it but you need to be able to think very critically about no i mean yeah critically i mean tony you said it. it's a funny word isn't it because i think it's a really loaded word people think critically means negative yeah yeah, yeah. And as we were just talking here and um i've just thought i actually know now where i think i first thought i was critically thinking was in in the next which was pfc doing cbt when i got introduced to cbt and i think heather when you was just talking about all the distortions i thought oh yeah that's when i first started thinking hang on a minute something isn't right and i thought about it in a different way and i think that's where i didn't know that i was quickly thinking i thought i was just being shown something but actually it was i was coming out of myself and thought wow this is powerful stuff yeah that's that word, isn't it? I was just thinking it's like actually maybe a useful way to think about it is to think of like a film critic or a music critic, you know, like they, they discuss a film or a music or something. They don't just go, yeah, it was shit or yeah, it was great. They actually go, oh, you know, this is this this film's about this and this is why it's interesting and so on. And it is that curiosity and pulling stuff apart uh, that, that's in that word critic um, rather than just sort of being critical of somebody else or their behavior mm -hmm. it's 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 very it's one of those english words that's got kind of two meanings doesn't it it's not very not very helpful really but uh yeah yeah i mean it's we've kind of it is like you're taking things apart and looking at the good and the bad of of your thinking i guess i yeah. mean i know when i was kind of like trying to stop taking the substances that I'd taken that helped me deal with stuff everything was kind of new I didn't I didn't I didn't kind of like 
I had to challenge everything that I thought about, like I thought I was quite open-minded, you know, kind of like lefty, right, or an alternative, all that shit. Um, and I really had to question how I interacted with people and how what I thought about people uh, and what I thought about myself because, you know, it changed a lot with me seeing seeing things that weren't there with people you know giving people dirty looks when I walked down the street before they give me dirty looks and actually like that wasn't the case where I start like smiling at strangers in the street and they smile back at me it was like what the hell I'm living in a different planet you know people are like fucking smiling and shit and then it's like well I'm smiling you know it's yeah it was like a whole a whole new world and like you know things like boundaries were something that I really didn't understand at all I didn't get what boundaries were you know I'm kind of like people pleasing I want to make everything okay for everyone not rock the boat and having these boundaries were this really scary thing that I, I realized that I had to I had to kind of like really think critically about why I needed them and why I needed to put them in place, especially kind of with certain people that I was kind of, you know, friends with or hanging out with that didn't necessarily, I want to say, serve me well, you know, have my back. We're on the same, you know, we weren't in the, on the same wavelength anymore. And, and I guess as I kind of like grew, I don't know, that sounds really... As I kind of like developed, I guess, um, then those boundaries became something that, even though they were really, really, really uncomfortable, um, knowing that I had to kind of like put them in place to keep myself, keep myself safe. That's not that's not the right word. Keep myself safe, but kind of like, not just for me, but for other people to kind of know how to act with me and how that I wouldn't necessarily um, take the behavior that I would have taken from people before and actually being kind of like critical of, of how I would let people treat me in the past and that I wouldn't do that anymore. You know, so it's, that's, you know, that's another part, part of it. I mean, I, I wanted to kind of like move on just a little bit. So like, questioning where we questioning uh, critical thinking like questioning where we get our information from um and why we kind of why obviously that that is important especially for what's been going on at the moment so like the covid stuff we, we've been we've been told certain things from the government and then we've been told certain things from scientists. We've been told certain things from the World Health Organization. We've seen the news in other parts of the world. We'll see, we see as a you know, global society, which we kind of are now that we have the internet and we're much more kind of like connected with what's going on in the rest of the world. We can, we can see what's going on in the rest of the world. We can see how other countries and how governments are reacting to that. And so when we're in these really, really extreme situations um, and we're completely out of our comfort zone, you know, with everything that's normal in our lives and all those parameters are 
taken away from us and we kind of need this kind of like to trust in in that authority um i think thinking critically is really important with that because because they're not might not necessarily be telling us stuff that is sound you know they might have different reasons for telling us stuff or believing certain new certain um statistics and not others um we're kind of seeing that at the moment aren't we with you know the mixed messages we, we are getting um that it's really hard to kind of work out from 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 one easy you know lockdown thing to well you can do this but you can't do that but then you can do that but you can't do that and you can do that but you can't do that but with them and not with them with them if they're there and they're working for you it's all so confusing that no Dominic, one really... Dominic Cummings can do that that's okay but not everyone else <laughs> of course yeah unless you've got a little Dominic Cummings mask or something. <laughs> it yeah. is really really um confusing especially you know they've opened pubs they've opened gyms they've opened and, they, and there's no group therapy opening you know but you know, so I we said, you know, one of my friends is having a scan, but her husband's not allowed to go, but they can go to the pub together. It's just really kind of the, the thing that gets me is the therapy, I think, the groups, that they're not sort of looking at that, but they're opening pubs, they're opening the betting shops. And, you know, to me, it's like, why can't they do that as well? It just, you know, and I, I do get that it's economy, luckily, because of my critical thinking, I know that it is the economy that this is why they're doing it. but. All the, all the same, it's, it really winds me up. I think yeah. So I was going to ask, you know, how how have you dealt with, you know, your critical thinking and and the and what we're going through? I, I was going to say that one of the things that um, like has helped me is is sort of like maybe it's a critical thinking tool like this idea about like questioning when you yeah when people say about Dominic Cummings or something it's like questioning hypocrisy or questioning double standards because like yeah you're getting one message from authority like in terms of what you're being told to do but then you're seeing very different behavior and I reckon I think that links back a little bit to your experience Bob maybe like growing up in like uh going to temple and the Hindu church and like definitely my background was like a Catholic church and it's all this like talk of you know morality and right and wrong and yeah like a lot of corruption and behavior that is you know t completely at odds with the values you're being taught and like Tonya your example of like um you know like girls staying at home doing all the cleaning and boys like go off and eat big meals and like get a fancy job and and kind of like this idea of like questioning why why is there that standard for that person and that standard for someone else and like why is it fine for pubs to open and not for recovery groups to be up and running like who like who is that serving it's that question again like who like who does this serve and uh realizing that yeah it's uh often it serves the people who were already at the top and already in positions of power it can make you feel very 
you know, throw you back into a very childlike state. I mean, once again, you know, psychological theory would say it's like transactional analysis. But when you're a kid and want to know something and, you, you know, your parents might go, well, just because. Um, it, you know, it's really frustrating and it's like it doesn't make any sense. And, and, and it, you know, that sort of fate, that, that feeling of powerlessness when it's happening politically is something I've been feeling a lot lately. It's like, well, of course this is bullshit. You know, why, why doesn't anybody just say this? And it's a horrible feeling to have to hold too much as well. You know, I'm not alone in this, but, you know, it, it, once again, it's, it, it's kind of cognitive dissonance feeling of holding, knowing that something's nonsense, but being told um, that it's not and being like a child and like I, I think as well it links back to what we what we were saying about courage and that like like it's one thing to think these things and realize like oh you know I'm noticing I can see that there's this mismatch I can see there's hypocrisy or like like I've got the ability to recognize it but it's another thing to challenge it and I really like related to what you were saying Heather about taking drugs and like like that that's a way to like get rid of this uncomfortable feeling of noticing like there's something wrong there's something wrong and like using drinking drugs to like get rid of those feelings and one thing that I've had I'm still trying to learn to do in recovery is like speak up and realize that if I stay quiet and push things down, I'm giving my power away. I'm like letting myself be crushed kind of thing. And I need to learn to like find courage just to, yeah, to speak up. And it's scary because it makes people uncomfortable sometimes. I was just going to say really quickly in terms of like what's helped um, with critical thinking. I think it's just that thing of, um, being really critical of where news is coming from and again you know Katie you said it earlier but I just I see a lot of people around me and, you know my mum bless her I hope she's not listening uh you know gets a lot of her information from Facebook and will come and will tell me like stuff that she's read or a video and it's like it was on Facebook you know with this real like conviction and it's like I always kind of want to say to mum like don't believe everything that's on Facebook but just, you know, I'm kind of quite conscious of like quite a few people being like that. Um, and, you know, the, the, the horrible thing is actually some of it probably is true that is actually on Facebook as well. But it's like using those that kind of critical thinking part of your brain to sift through the bullshit and kind of like, you know, work out what might be accurate. I guess as well, because of, you know, because of the situation we're in and because of lockdown, we don't have our normal ways of kind of like expressing our worries and our fears and it, talking with people about kind of situations in in real life you know communicating as a whole not just you know with your your head in a box on a screen kind of thing um and those kind of like interactions can like dissipate stress you know you can kind of like uh, unpick each other's you know if someone's gone off on some weird tangent or other you can be like you know what the fuck you know obviously in a kind of not not a more sensitive way you know than like questioning that they've gone mental but i guess it's that thing of like you know you're kind of stuck here you're not being able to like interact with people 
There's not an interaction that normalises and, you know, normalises some of one's thoughts. And also it's a way of testing out whether other people believe that or, you know, whether that's their take on it. And I think that's what people are struggling with at the moment um, is that, that, that using other people as sounding boards a bit and, you know, rather than just sitting on your own, getting this information and trying to work sift through what's real what's not it's very very stressful and exhausting and you know in a way twitter tries to do it for, i don't know if, if any you know those of you on twitter there, there's an attempt to kind of make a kind of conver an online conversation and when you were talking one of the things i've liked about twitter is the way that something like you know the dominic Cummings thing will happen everybody knows it's hypocritical and that people use twitter as a way of taking the piss a bit like people would in you know actual groups and like twitter's quite good at taking the piss out of people being pompous or hypocritical and quite quickly it happens kind of very very quickly um, but it can't really replace that sense of checking in with people and going oh, was that you know did we just see that was like there they can't have been serious and that's well that that feels like it's really missing at the moment and we as try as a, as a team we're trying to do these podcasts in a way that we would that would represent how we would be in the office kind of chatting and you know sort of you know sparking off each other and it's it's really hard for us i mean you know we're, we're all kind of struggling to kind of just to to recapture a way of pulling apart ideas that we do in the office you know so in the office somebody will kind of say oh yeah i think i think this and there'll be there might somebody might say are you sure you know why is that and, and that that just that interaction is really hard to kind of do in a digital online way it's 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 and it's part of critically critically pulling apart the world and, and questioning stuff and um yeah yeah i mean yeah it's true i mean i guess you know with 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 the critical thinking it's like i've got a great quote here Let me just... try hard to keep an open mind but not too open that your brain falls out so yeah that, i thought that was quite quite good i mean you know things like going meta on your own on your own beliefs looking at your own kind of like ways of thinking being able to criticize yourself is really important and ultimately don't take yourself too seriously that's what that's what i've kind of like taken from that um, can, we, can we just like some people will know this but can you can we just say a bit more about going meta because that is one of the big the big kind of basics of critical thinking isn't it one of the big skills about learning to think critically so the way i would see it is like when you're talking about something kind of like listen listening it to it from someone else's point of view not listening to it in your own head so you're kind of like you're listening as a kind of third party like an observer yeah I always imagine like an antenna on my head or something, boo boo, or a fly on the wall. It's like a meta. Yeah, meta meta means beyond, doesn't it? I don't know. Beyond Bob yours. Think about like metaphysics. So like be like you have physics and then you have like metaphysics, which is just kind of like nuts physics uh, for the layman. Um, 
but yeah, so, so people talk about like metacognition. So cognition is thinking and the metacognition is kind of like beyond thinking. So kind of thinking about thinking. Thinking about your thinking, yeah. Yeah, it, just, so it's really about this kind of unhelpful thought beliefs where you start realizing like, oh my God, like I just like overgeneralize all the time. But most people don't really question how they think. They don't think about how they think. And so metacognition is this idea of just like, you know, and a lot of it's like reflecting. A lot of it's just like, you know, sitting at the end of the day thinking, oh my god like you know I was doing this and so you're just reflecting on yourself and you're thinking about maybe how you might have been thinking and behaving feeling and all that stuff but yeah I think being in recovery is a really brilliant time to pick this up actually um because you know classically you know people give up drinking drugs and suddenly like their brain feels a bit kind of a bit more alert than it's been for probably 25 years um when I was still using drugs, I went to a um, it was a, an AA meeting once, and there was some kind of old codger there, looked like a kind of tramp talking about how he'd used drugs for a quarter of a century, and I I remember sitting there thinking, oh my god, and then I kind of walked out and realised I'd been using drugs for twenty you know like twenty years, so um, some somehow like putting it it's like a quarter of a century, it was like oh my god this is horrible, but then my brain waking up. Uh, it was exactly the, the right time to start questioning what what I thought. It was a really good opportunity. And then very early on in recovery, I um I, I did an access course, and my, I remember the first module was a philosophy one that I was interested in. And the philosophy guy started talking about thinking about thinking, and I thought my brain was going to explode. <laughs> I literally sort of out out your head. yeah, because I just like was like, oh my god, thinking about thinking, God, <laughs> you know, like this is insane. But in a weird way, it made total. I found it really reassuring, you know, because what I've been doing all that time before, before I started to take drugs to stop thinking. You know, before I did drugs, I was thinking about thinking, but I didn't, it wasn't, it was painful, right? Mm -hmm. So suddenly, like, in recovery, being somebody going, why don't you think about thinking? Why don't you go meta? It should have made a lot of sense to me. And, um, you know, it was a good time to do it. Sort of anybody else's experience. I was going to say, you know, kind of keep talking, but I was going to say it's probably useful to... Um, say something about people's experience of being on psychology for change so it's you know people who don't know it's like 10 week course it's two full days a week like super intense and in a way like and you know kind of i was calling the organization foundation for change is very deliberate in various ways and one of them is this idea that actually people need to have a very kind of solid foundation on which to build their lives upon and i think one of the things that we see is people come to us and we get them to like literally critically think about the ground they've been walking on for kind of their whole life and, and take it apart. And I remember speaking to somebody who's probably like, it's a bit textbooky. It was like, she was about halfway through the course and she called me up and she said these words, which I really remember because it just kind of, I think it was a conversation me and Liz had when we were naming the charity. And she was saying, it feels like the ground has been taken away from me. Like it feels like I'm just, you know, this thing that I've been used to, like doesn't exist anymore. She's really terrified. And of course, like, and that is the kind of thing to say about when you start looking at your life and thinking critically about why you are the way that you are and why your life turned out the way that it did. It, it can be quite scary because it's, we're so used to the familiarity of the bricks being there. And when you take it apart, I think it can be really scary, but I think it's just trusting that actually, you know, taking them apart serves a really good purpose and that you then have, have the opportunity to build a stronger foundation. 
um, that was... through what you learned. Well, yeah, no, I, it's just when you were talking, that's exactly my experience of it as well. Because before that, like, you know, I know you touched on attachment theory just very briefly before Liz, but it does have sort of a um, comparison to critical thinking or it kind of links together. And just briefly, that was like my mum being an asylum scaper and like an uh, asylum seeker, sorry, an asylum scaper. That sounds quite interesting. And um, she was escaping war. And basically, I grew up always feeling unsafe and i think that is because my mum was always unsafe always absolutely bloody terrified um and had never i i've never actually seen her feel easy and able to just like chill the fuck out um and that's just kind of like high anxiety and so on psychology for change i finally made that link between the fact that okay my mum feels unsafe because x y and z has happened to her and hence why i always constantly feel unsafe um and so yeah it's just fascinating that that is critical thinking that was being meta and that was looking at a situation i just hadn't ever contemplated before because i took it for granted so yeah i, I you know what i'm a sort of very passionate about that actually that's also thinking critically about kind of our emotions and that, but also there's a bit of an element of real worldness in there because the critical, you know, like the, the, the really crucial part of your mum's story is that she was fleeing war. That's a real thing. It wasn't just like something she imagined. Um, you know, there, there were very real kind of um, responses to that. Yeah. So it's bringing in lots of information to think critically about your mum, not to just think, oh, she's a bit nervy, you know, oh, she's, oh, she lives on the nerves, as my mother used to say about people. But it's actually like actually looking at people's situations and thinking, yes, that would make you feel a bit unsafe, wouldn't it? You know, so it, it is somehow taking in a bigger picture um, and, and considering yourself as a person as well in a in, in a set of circumstances and you know what that means definitely definitely yeah i mean you're always kind of digging deeper aren't you and with with the you know with the parent parent stuff it's like being able to understand and and understand their situation rather than not now to understand when you were a child and just experiencing like the shit sides of things when you grow grow up grow up a bit and you can kind of have a bit more of an understanding of what they've actually gone through or are going through um, to realize how difficult you know things were for them and that maybe the way that they acted um, could be justified depending on obviously how they were but you know you can kind of yeah you can have a bit greater understanding of them could be explained. I was thinking that it's like it explains behavior rather than justifies. Yeah. yeah. I know yeah, what you mean, but yeah, it's just like I always kind of think it's like it just helps you, you know, make sense of. What yeah, happens. justifies the wrong word. Yeah. But yeah. But it's it, you know it's it's what's happening with the feminism for change course that uh, that you and you and Tanya are working on. It's like it, it it's it the feminism bit is to kind of make sense of people's lives rather than it just being like they were individually not good enough or something. Suddenly, you know, women kind of come on to the, to the, to the programme and kind of go, oh, right, yeah, that makes sense of, I mean, like what Tanya was talking about, you know, that weird sort of, um, all that 
hypocrisy and all that, that those kind of ideas you grew up in about what women should be and how that makes them feel less than when you encounter ideas it it it, it makes sense of yeah, what we're doing oh. um when tonya was talking actually i just want to share this is really really shallow of me but when tonya was talking about growing up grew up in a culture where you know boys girls did all the washing and boys had bigger meals um probably quite a few people will know there's um there was a restaurant in um lewisham where uh, like a calf i used to go that was very kind of old school irish kind of calf i know it yeah and <laughs> you go in and like some bloke would be before you'd have like twice the kind of yeah. size meal and like you'd be like hold on and it was just sort of played out in this really um you know obvious way it was like that was madness that's the norm that yeah. was the norm yeah, I mean, I, did, I forgot to mention, you know, we were talking about belief systems and how we kind of like brought up into things. I forgot to mention the actual systems that we, you know, we are kind of like living in as a whole, like capitalism and patriarchy. Didn't even mention them. <laughs> but they are <laughs> kind of quite massive issues as to, you know, dealing with why, why we believe what we believe and having to question those as well. They, they impact really strongly. I mean, you know, I remember growing up wanting to be a writer like a you know like you know <laughs> like a write write amazing novels and going and going to school and them saying oh why don't you be a secretary because that's like involves writing um and uh, you know in a way that was quite young but that i just thought oh god i'm not i'm never going to achieve anything and then that's a really good example of being in a kind of you know very patriarchal system that says women are secretaries it's it's a while back i you know things have improved since then but i just took that as a truth i just thought okay yeah well why well, silly me why would i ever be a writer you know what what yeah. can happen here so as my first um, YTS was secretarial, you just brought it back to me, <laughs> and I thought I, I thought that was great. But it's actually now when I look at me, it's so, I'm so glad I didn't stick to that secretarial on the YTS. Seventeen pound a week. I was rich then. I loved it. <laughs> I I felt like I was great, working class, rich, earning your own money. A writer. <laughs> Shorthand. But it's 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 how people kind of fall into the trap of also, you know, culture living up to what culture says or society says they they you know will amount to or be. Um, and conforming, I guess, is easier to you know to conform than it is to kind of push the boundaries and and kind of be looked at. In a, in a certain way because you're not acting like how you're supposed to to act and i mean yeah. it can be quite painful can't it because i know when we when we do cb a day on training on cbt you know one of the core beliefs one of those kind of you know strong beliefs that people often hold about themselves is i am bad so if you kind of feel like that way about yourself often people behave as teenagers certainly like in ways of being bad as in you know criminal or you know just behaving like an asshole uh, because that's kind of what they believe in themselves and of course it's really painful because then people get tangled up in the criminal justice system that you know they're not going to win in that 
nobody wins in that mm-hmm. and 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 it kind of reinforces like negative beliefs so this idea of thinking critically about the kind of beliefs we have can be a matter of of real importance for people's you know freedom ultimately it's like don't get caught up in the cliches or the you know we do on, on the on the feminist feminism course there's a lot to talk about toxic masculinity which is a term that's questioned a bit but you know it's like this idea of what it is to be a man is often the very thing that traps men in kinds of behaviors they don't particularly want to do but they somehow feel like that's what you do to be a man and there's a lot of pain in there so this idea of kind of critical thinking about your own beliefs about who you are in the world is you know it's kind of deep stuff and i guess would say not a lot of people will necessarily come to a part stage in a life when they need to critically assess their thinking you know i mean i came to it from having you know massive addiction issues and having to kind of like stop doing that someone could come to like you were like you were saying about getting put to prison if you you're lucky enough to get an education in prison or start reading books that could be some kind of shift i think you know that you're kind of access to something that's change changes or shifts you that that you can kind of get to question the way you thought before it's quite important you know what um what i was just thinking of like sleeping through life and what a really good film to illustrate critical thinking or not think critically is of course the truman show because it's like everybody's caught in this kind of like hey great everything and then suddenly something breaks that sort of spell as you haven't seen the Truman Show, this is going to be hard, but it's like doing juggling on radio or something. It's hard to describe. But it comes a moment where literally kind of somebody steps back and meta has that meta moment of seeing stuff. Yeah. This is the kind of interesting thing I think about trauma. I mean, trauma obviously has its like really, really horrendous signs to it. But I think, you know, when people talk about post-traumatic growth and kind of finding meaning from it. I think something that I've seen over the years of working with people is that actually like there's some traumatic incident is usually the thing which wakes people up from their slumber and kind of wake, you know, shakes them by the shoulders and gets them to start questioning things. And, you know, it happened with the war and, you know, in the Second World War and people kind of questioning the existence of God, you know, like if God existed, how could he or she allow, generally he, like allow millions of people to get gassed, you know, like I think, and on a very kind of individual scale, I know from my mum, who's in an arranged marriage and was kind of very violent. It's a really good example, actually, of kind of feeling that she was experiencing something that was really wrong, but had people around her saying, like, no, your husband is your God, you know, you should kind of worship your husband. It must be something that you're doing if he's beating you. Like, there was just lots of messages which fought against her finding the kind of conviction to follow through with what she was thinking and just as a very slight kind of aside when i was talking earlier about i think it takes courage to think critically i also think it takes strength because i think it's very easy to kind of like you said conform and just at some point think fuck it don't have the strength to kind of keep fighting and you know i think with with my mum particularly like when she got to the stage of um finally having the courage to to kind of leave my dad she really questioned everything she was 
all of the message she was given as a woman growing up and the training she'd been given as a housewife and kind of questioned what values she was going to give myself and my brother as two little kids. And, you know, it was kind of very interesting. You know, I kind of wonder sometimes how she would have been if they had stayed together, you know, completely different. I think there was something that really made her question. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks for that, everyone. Um, so, yeah, check out our other podcasts where we will be adding to them every couple of weeks. And if there's any subject you want us to cover, please get in touch and let us know. Cheers, Heather. Thank you. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. 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 Bye.